Hello, this is Saul Gonzalez, lead pastor of Lifehouse Church, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you so very much for joining us today. I believe that through this message, God will encourage you, challenge you, and better yet, change you for the glory of God and for the purposes God has called you. Enjoy this message. Hey, this morning, I get the privilege and the honor to be able to bring you God's words today. Uh, Pastor Saul is actually visiting our Delano campus. Uh, He sends his love. Uh, He wanted to be here, but Delano's like, man, we need our lead pastor too. So we sent him out there so he can give a word for them. But are you excited to be in the house of the Lord today? How many of you came anticipating God to do something in your life? Hey, this morning, as, as I go into the Word, I encourage you to kind of holler back. Let's be engaged. I encourage you to also write notes. I Hopefully, you got your notes on the way here. Ushers were giving them. If you didn't, you can look them up on our Church Center app as well. Uh, but we have notes, so we encourage you to write notes. Uh, we encourage you to participate. I once heard a great man say, a quiet church is a dead church. And we're not a dead church, right, church? No, 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 we are not. Hey, and we're continuing our sermon series as we've been doing it for the last uh, eight weeks now. And the title is In Pursuit of Purpose. The first few weeks we talked about believing God, then we talked about become, oh no, we talked about believing, then we talked about belonging, and this week we're talking about becoming. And we really believe in order for you to find your purpose in life, you have to become like the greatest person of all, and that's Jesus Christ. So so this week, I I have a question for you guys really quick before I go into my sermon. How many of you growing up, while you guys were children, uh, what did you guys want to be when you were growing up? We're not going to share everyone, but just think about it. I know I was able to share it on my Instagram, and I had different people say, hey, they wanted to be veterinarians, some wanted to be astronauts, um, some wanted to be doctors, not all were able to become, but do you guys remember your dream when you were growing up, or was I only the only one who wanted to? Oh, yeah, you guys did, right? So I remember growing up in third grade, I found this sport that I ended up loving forever, and that was the sport of basketball. Any basketball fans in the house? You guys all read your Bible, I forget. Everyone, but the other ones, you guys are basketball fans. But I remember loving the game of basketball and learning to play it. Fourth grade, I started watching it on TV. There was a player, some of you guys might know him, his name's Michael Jordan. And I was, oh man, Michael Jordan got a good little ovation here. But, but he was obviously the greatest and we love him. And I looked up to him and his team and everything. And I remember my dream was I'm gonna be the next Michael Jordan. Oh, you guys are jacked up. Why you guys gotta laugh at me for this? But I remember playing uh, and being part of the school, and I would wake up early, and I'd get to walk to school um, and, and play. And before school, during recess, after school, man, it, I was the first one. I'd skip lunch, believe it or not. I would skip lunch and go play basketball. And in my elementary school, we had one team, and that was for the fifth graders. And that team got to travel and got to play. So I remember fifth grade, uh, we were having tryouts. And the way we did tryouts was uh, there were in a mural game, so the coach would just make a list and, all right, you're with this person. They'd have like five, six teams going around, different games going around. I remember playing, and man, at that time I was learning how to dribble. I was a little better. I, I, I thought I was the greatest thing in the world. Um, but I was playing. I, was, I started to do no-look passes, kind of I was shooting threes, even before threes were a thing. I was just trying to be everywhere at all times. And this one particular game, uh, it was the last game, right? The day, the next day, the coach is going to have the, the list of people. And, and I remember that there was three seconds left and we were tied. And in my mind, I'm like, this is what I was born for. 
This is my moment to shine. I told the team, stop, give me the ball, and I got this. So I, I didn't say that, but I, I, I just wanted in my mind, hey, I'm going to shoot this basket. So with three seconds left, I'm not lying. This is, I'm, I'm in the altar, right? And I got the ball, and, and in my mind, you know, everyone's playing. I'm going slow motion. I see the people in the crowd. They're all like, yes, you can do it. No one actually did that. But in my mind, they were doing that. And I go in three, two, and I threw it from the half court, and I shot it, and boom, I made it. Everyone went crazy. Not everyone, just my team. And they were excited. I was like, yes, I did it. Like, I was born for this moment. I felt like Michael Jordan at the time. And that was my dream. I wanted to be an NBA player, a professional athlete. And I did it. So I'm like, man, this is it. Like, I made the game-winning shots. I was the best one on this team. Like, I have to make the team. The next day, we had the tryout in his classroom. I'm not going to say who the coach was because my wife actually works with him now but he I he, he had the, the the team and I remember going up to it and looking for my name and I didn't see my name there thank you guys man that makes me feel better I didn't make it and I'm not gonna say I cried but I'm not gonna not say that I didn't cry but I remember being so disappointed and the reality hit I mean I was pretty good. I'm still okay. But I compared it to, to what reality came. As I got older, I started realizing, oh, wait, these guys on the screen are actually like six foot five. I'm only five foot ten. Uh, far, uh, overweight. Like, there's no way. I mean, and as I grew up, I started to realize, uh, maybe that's not something I should pursue. Um, but anyways, I say that because we all had a dream of who we wanted to be. And we all still do. We all want to be something or become something. Someone maybe. There's someone in your life that you think of and you're like, man, I want to be like that person or I want to become. But I want to help you understand a little bit between the difference of wanting to be someone and wanting to become someone. See, to be, you have the idea of I want to be that. But the word to become is used more. I'm in the process. I'm willing to put in the work. I'm willing to dedicate myself in becoming who I want to be. So my question today, our question for today is, who do you want to become? And obviously, as Christ believers, we, we are in the power to become like him, Jesus. And, and the thing is, I, I know he's perfect and he's holy, and sometimes we don't add up, but the great thing about that is that we have the Holy Spirit to be able to work in our lives. How many can say amen to that? So I'm going to be brief as, as fast as I can, but I have a few points I want to share with us. And, and obviously, how do I become more like Jesus? My first point, if you're writing notes, if you're not, I suggest pull out your phone, write them down. Studies show that if you write things down, you get, tend to memorize them or remember them more. So we encourage you to, to, to participate. But my first point is follow the guides. Follow the guides. And we have three sub-points we want to share about. And the first guide you should want to follow is the power of the word. That scripture that God's given us. The word is how can we follow in that? How do we adapt and how do we make that be in our daily lives? I see the Bible and I know maybe some of you don't read it as much as you should or some of you read it all the time. And that's awesome. But we want to encourage you to be reminded of the power of scripture. We, we live in a time now where it's not, you just don't have to read it at your physical Bible. Now we live in a cool time where you can download it on your phone. And, and I know some people are like, man, it's not the same as the physical. I get what you're saying, but it's still the word of God. Amen. 
The, the word of God still has power. Amen, church? So regardless if you're reading the physical one or online, you are still reading the word of God. And I have Hebrews 4.12, and it reads this. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. There is power in scripture. Amen? So one of your guides you should look for is the power of the word. Point B would be the power of the Holy Spirit. Here at Lifehouse, we believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is active in our lives, and we believe in the move of the Spirit. Amen? Yes. And we want to be reminded of the Holy Spirit and His job and what He does in our lives, and we must learn to submit to the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And be reminded that the Holy Spirit is there to comfort us, to convict us, and to convince us of maybe sin or things we aren't doing well. I, I know we, we, we talk about the Holy Spirit being great, but there's some things in our lives that need to be shaken up. There's some things in our lives that we need to change. And, and not that you're going to be, but remember, we're becoming. We're in the process of being there. In order for you to have that, you must have a guide. The guide is the Word. The guide is the Holy Spirit. And then C is the power in community. Here at Lifehouse, we believe strongly in the power of community. I'm sorry I skipped over a few things, but we're going back to the Spirit really quick. This is good. John 16, 13. Where the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truths. With the Holy Spirit, we have to be reminded that He leads us into the truth. Not only does He lead us into truth, but He leads us into freedom. Galatians 5.16 says, So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You're trying to get away from some struggles? Lean on the Holy Spirit. Lean on His Word. Allow the Holy Spirit to work in your lives and the things you may be dealing with and are struggling with and believing that the Holy Spirit will not only lead you into truth, but lead you into freedom. It'll also lead you into wisdom. How many of you want wisdom in your life? Amen. Matthew 10, 19, 20 says, Do not worry about what to say or how to say it. At that time, you will be given what to say. For it will not be you speaking, but the Spirit of your Father speaking through you. Not only do we get truth, freedom, but we get wisdom. This week I was speaking with Pastor Andrew, and we were talking about um, something happening, and, and there was someone that we're, I, I needed to have a conversation with, and I set up an appointment for them. And, and during that time, I, I, I'm going to confess, man, I was being a little fleshy. I was like, man, I don't know if I want to meet this person. I'm not a person who likes confrontation. I only like confrontation when I'm mad, and that's not good. <laughs> But I, I didn't want to deal with it. And I, I was thinking like, man, how do I approach this person? I know the way this person is. I was just kind of, I wasn't speaking life into this person. And I'm telling Pastor Andrew, and I'm like, I need your advice, man. And before he says anything, I'm just sharing my heart. And I right then and there, I feel the Holy Spirit kind of say, hey, that's my child. Be careful how you speak about them. They're, they're, think about them as a prodigal son. They're not your son, but they're my children. They belong to me. Therefore, you have no authority in being able to speak those things about this person. So right then and there, as I'm talking to Pastor Andrew, I'm just like, sorry, God. And I said it right there. You know what? I need to approach him with love. And Andrew's just like, 
There it is. And he said, thank you. You're welcome for my advice. But he didn't give me advice. I just felt like the Holy Spirit right then and there was able to convict me even before anyone else can. I think sometimes we go for wisdom for other people, but we need to remind ourselves, man, how, how can we just get resource from the Holy Spirit? Amen. He leads us into truth, wisdom, and he leads us into our purpose. And as Christ followers, our purpose one of the purposes can be found in Luke 4, 18. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. As believers, our job, our responsibility is to proclaim the good news. It's not saying come to worship service. We love worship service. But we have to remember that our calling and our mission is outside these four walls. It's, I, I appreciate, we love having you guys here. I love worshiping. But if our Sunday experience doesn't affect your Monday through Saturday, something needs to change. Yeah, yeah. So, something needs to, to, to happen in your life. And, and I believe with you asking and receiving of the Holy Spirit, you're able to be convicted and work in the power that resurrected Jesus from the dead. Amen? We have a power and we have authority in the Spirit. Yeah. So we need our guides, the word, the spirit, and community. Matthew 18, 20 says, For there, where there are two or three gathered in my name, there I am with them. Amen. There's a little bit more than two or three here. So we know God is in this place. And I love Acts 2, 46. And it says this. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. There is power in community church. That's the reason why we speak so much about life groups. That's the reason we ask you to take next steps because life is better together. There, there's a proverb I heard, an African proverb that says, I can go fast alone, but I go further together. You can go somewhere fast, but the moment you get people to walk alongside you, you're not going to fall so easily. You get courage. You get strength by one another. We encourage you to take next steps. We encourage you to do life groups because you are better with people surrounding you, helping you. Not only do you have God surrounding you, but you have people who are surrounding and helping you, praying for you. Obviously, also having a good time. There's nothing wrong with friendships. But we want to get you to understand that life is better not in rows, but in circles. When you get to be honest with people, when you get to just share your heart and say, hey, man, can you help me with this? I'm dealing with this struggle. I'm dealing with this. Can we come together and confess our sins and just confess our hurts or confess the things we're going through? Amen? Life is better together. My second point is you have to let go of yourself. In other words, fire yourself and let God be in charge. Let him be the change agent in your life. We have to learn to say, it's not about me. It is not about me. It is about, it would always be about God. And God has sent his son to love us. And therefore the Holy Spirit is here within us. But we have to learn to let go of ourselves. And someone we, we were talking about as we were discussing this sermon is, is John the Baptist. For those of you who know John the Baptist, obviously he was a powerful man and he was a great leader. He was mighty and he even had an important position in the coming of Christ. He had disciples. He, he was one of the few where, where an angel came to his father and said, hey, your son is called for this. 
He's gonna lead the way for the Messiah and, and growing in his faith and growing in his popularity even. He was able to have disciples. I know we hear Jesus and disciples, but John the Baptist had disciples who were following him. He was baptizing people, preparing the way, he said. He has such a good reputation that people started rumors and saying, well, is he the Messiah? Is he Elijah? Is he the prophet? And I want you guys to listen to the answer that John the Baptist said. He basically said, I'm nothing compared to Jesus. And this is what he says in John 1, 25 and 27. He says, now the Pharisees who had been sent questions to him, why then do you baptize if you are not the Messiah, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? I baptize with water, John replied. But among you, stand, among you stands one you do not know. He is the one who comes after me, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to untie. So although he had the, the platform, the, the popularity, and, and the, the, the people following, he never stood away from what he was called to do. Although I have these people following me, uh, looking for me, and I'm able to baptize them, he still says, I, I'm not even worthy to tie Jesus' sneakers to make it a little bit more relevant. I, I'm not worthy to take off his shoes. That's how, that's how great this Jesus, the Messiah, is to come. And Galatians 5, 24. We have to be reminded that we must die to ourselves. And it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh and its passions and desires. John knew what he had to do. He knew he had to die to himself. In this passage, we see him responding to his disciples as after people are telling him, well, what's going on? What's happening with you? And the kind of telling of Jesus that he was baptizing people, but there was a greater one coming. And if we have John 3, 27, 30, he says, tell this to John. To this, John replied, a person can receive only what is given them from heaven. You yourself can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but I am set ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater. I must become less. We, we see that throughout the story of John. He's able to see this and he's, he's preparing the way. But, but even him he can kind of have a little bit of doubts like, oh, well, is this? You, you got to realize, I'm shortening and paraphrasing it, but John went through a lot. John, John dedicated himself to, to being with the Lord. And, and in this moment, he was sent to prison to be beheaded. And during this time, he, he, he's trusting in God, which leads us to our third point is that we have to trust God's will for your life. You have to trust that God has an ultimate plan and has something in store for you. And you have to allow God to change you. Trust who God is shaping you to be, to become like Jesus. And in order to get rid of self and live a selfless life, you must allow God, the Lord, to change you. And he's always working in us, right? He, he doesn't give up on us. He's willing to say, hey, no, let's keep going. Let's move forward. And, and he's even working in John's life a little bit. We, we see in... In Matthew 11, we see that the Lord is changing John the Baptist. And in this passage, we see John the Baptist somewhat doubting Jesus, even though he made the bold statement of, behold, the Lamb of God is here. And he says, I must, he must become greater, so I become less. But he's also in the jail cell. 
can you picture just yourself, if you're in jail, you're, you're about to be beheaded for, for obviously proclaiming the way of the Messiah. And he's like, man, he's human, but, but did I make the right decision? Is he really the Messiah? Did I really make a way for him or, or did I not? And it would seem as though John the Baptist, his self, his inner person, his flesh was kind of rising up and thinking those things. And, and it's crazy because pride always questions God's plans. Pride can always question, are you sure this is for him? Are you sure this is really about him? Because God uses some of the hardest times in our lives to help us die to ourself. He uses those struggling hard times to, to help you realize, man, maybe I should die to myself. And Jesus in his mercy sent back an answer because John sent an answer. And in Matthew eleven two six, 6, he says, when John, who was in prison, he heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? So Jesus replies, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead arise, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on my account. Come on, there is power in the name of Jesus, right? So we see that John is, is beheaded, and he dies. And we never know how he took the answer that Jesus gave him, but we can by, by looking at the rest of the story that, that the job was done. He prepared the way for the Messiah. John the Baptist was so sure of his calling, commitment, and love for Christ that he lived, but he eventually also died for Jesus. And we have to learn to, to die to ourselves, church. Christine Kane, who is a phenomenal speaker, she says this quote, the light of Christ within you must burn brighter than the spotlight that shines upon you. Come on, I'll say that once again so you can hear it. The light of Christ within you must burn brighter than the spotlight that shines upon you. Yes. See, see, John the Baptist had a spotlight. John the Baptist had his disciples. John the Baptist was baptizing people, but it never took him away from the bigger purpose of life, and that was to bring glory to Jesus and set away for the Messiah. Yes. So where are you in your life? We all have a platform. We all have influence. Some of you may have influence of thousands. Some of you may have influence of hundreds. Some of you may only have influence on a certain few, but we all have influence. And we have to be willing to, surround, to, to surrender ourselves and say, hey, no matter what I'm doing in my work, in my office, I, I, I'm great at my job and I do good, but at the end of the day, do they know about this Jesus? In your school, as you're attending class, you're a smart student, you're getting good grades, but does the glory always come back to Jesus? In your marriage, are you being a good example of saying, I'm a great husband, but is the light of Jesus shining brighter than your light? As a parent, as a coworker, what I'm getting here is, how are we allowing Jesus to be the full center of everything? So we have to remember that point three is we have to trust God with our lives. And my last and final point is we have to keep your eyes on the prize. 
Life is going to be hard. I promise you. And the moment you decide to say yes to Jesus, it might even get harder. Not only are you going to be a representation of who Jesus is, but now you're being watched by people. Hey, yo, I, th I thought you were a churchgoer. Like, why are you doing that? The, the pressure comes, right? And we have to realize that we're not perfect. No one in this building is perfect. But we serve a perfect God. And how do we focus our pride, our, our attention on the prize? As we're becoming like Jesus, our life here must reflect that. I'm not saying you're going to be perfect, but how do we make him shine? For some of us, if we're lucky, we're going to get to live 80 years old. Some 90, some 100, 120. There we go. Sister Weezy's ready. She's ready. But, but we, we, we get the privilege of living that life. For some of us, we may only reach 50. And then our life ends. We are done. And if you compare 80 years, we get 80 years to make him known. We get 80 years to lift up the name of Jesus. During that time, yes, we get to enjoy marriage. We get to enjoy, well, for some of us, marriage. Uh, we're praying for those of you who aren't. Uh, we get to have kids for some. We get to live a life of fun as well. God designed family. God designed us to enjoy it. But in that meantime, our purpose, our prize is heaven. Yes. It's eternity with Jesus. And he only gives us 80, 90 years to live. And in return, we get all of eternity. What is our mindset set on? How can we think beyond than just this time? And while we're in this time, how do we allow him to shine greater than anything? Hebrews 2, 1 and 2 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up. And let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. You want to keep your eyes on the prize, you keep your eyes on Jesus. You allow and not just say, I want to be like Jesus, but we say, or we say, I want to become like Jesus. In other words, I'm in the process of becoming there. I haven't arrived here yet, but I'm in the process of becoming like Jesus. Matthew 16, 25. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. My question to you this morning is, how's your light shining? Will you surrender yourself to Jesus and become more like him? And be reminded of what John the Baptist says. He says, he must become greater, I must become less. This morning with every head bowed, I don't know where you're at in your walk with Jesus. I don't know if you've been here for, for 20 years serving the Lord. Praise God for that. If this is your first time here, we say praise God for that as well. But at this moment, we never want to end service without the opportunity of you 
to be able to accept Jesus in your life. So if you've never accepted Jesus in your life, you've never done it, but you feel like, man, the Holy Spirit is at work. Something's tugging at me today. Today is the day of salvation. Do not leave this room without fully having the guarantee that I am saved. So if you've never done that with every head bowed, every eyes closed, if you've never made that commitment, will you raise your hand and I'd love to pray for you. I'd love for our church to pray for you. We see you, thank you. So all together church, can we repeat this prayer? Come on, can we say Jesus? We recognize we are sinful. And today, we choose to live for you. Let our old self die and allow you to take reins of my life. I recognize that you have died for my sins. I recognize that you are the Savior. And I recognize that I need you. In your name we pray. And we all say, Amen. Come on, give it up for the people who just accepted Jesus for the first time. Thank you so very much for joining us today on the Lifehouse podcast. I pray and hope this message has encouraged, inspired, and challenged you to grow closer to God. If you would like to be a part of what God is doing here at Lifehouse, visit our website at lifehousechurch.com. That's lifehousechurch.com for more information or consider subscribing and share it with one of your friends and family. Thank you again for being part of our journey, your journey, that will lead you to know God better, grow together, and go serve and make a difference. Thank you again. God bless you. See you next time.